0: Hey, this is Dave Schmidow, and welcome to Lasting Learning. In this podcast, we hear stories of success and stories of overcoming. We focus on what matters most. We celebrate, we learn, and we grow. Welcome to Lasting Learning. I hope you enjoy the ride and share your lessons with others. All right, everybody welcome back to another episode of the lasting learning podcast today you are in for a treat we have a woman on who is as gritty as they come i mean she is just all in on all that she does <laughs> we've got a woman who i've been i've kind of been tracking for a little while now i don't know if i should admit that because i don't know if she knows that but i've been kind of following her on social media for a little bit of time she is connected with seems like everybody that i'm connected uh, with—and. Yet this is the first time we've ever really had the chance to chat. And I am super, super excited about it. We had a plan to do a, a video um, broadcast today, but somehow between Michigan and Pennsylvania, the I don't know what's going on with cameras and stuff. Stuff's down. So it's just audio today. So I'm just going to picture her sit, sitting there smiling and talking <laughs> the entire time. Kristen Ann, thank you so much for being here today.
1: Oh my goodness, Dave. Thank you so much for having me. I have been looking forward to this uh, for quite some time too. You're cracking me up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I got I to say you are extremely patient because first of all, we were supposed to record this yesterday. You had this <laughs> date all picked out and then I had to bump it. And then we've been having nothing but tech issues here since we started this thing. So your patience is appreciated and you are practicing what you preach. So, so thank you for, for being here.
1: Oh my goodness. It's all good. It's all good.
0: Um, you know, there are a couple of people listening that might not know who you are, or there might be a couple of people that don't know who I am and they're just tuning in to listen to you. Um, but do you mind just taking a few minutes and walking people through your journey, who you are and what got you here?
2: Absolutely. Uh, So I'm from the Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania area, Um, just outside of Pittsburgh. We're quite a small town in the Beaver County area. It's Hopewell Area School District. Uh, I didn't grow up in this area, but I did come here about 25 years ago. I've been teaching here for the last 23. I I actually started in learning support, and um, I taught emotional support and learning support for a little while. And then I went into third grade, and I've been there ever since. Uh, It's one of those things that a part of my journey was uh, being a part of that collective whole where I could have every child, every child I ever wanted to work with all in one space. And because we were full inclusion, I was able to have the best of both worlds by having my learning support students included as much as possible within my day's time. So I, I stayed in third grade for over 20 years now. And I have to say, I, I have no plans of leaving anytime soon, although I, sometimes I wonder where that balance comes in between all the things because Dave, I know how busy you are and um, I find myself at conferences and I find myself uh, you know, in the middle of blogging and, and all the things that we do as connected educators, which opens up a whole new world for us. Um, and yet here we are still trying to maintain this balance and this flow for what education looks like today, but what it's going to be like for or tomorrow for every child
0: yeah let's talk about that a little bit first of all the fact that you are still in third grade um <laughs> yes. so that that that's insane to me now in, in pennsylvania is third grade the grade in elementary school where it seems like everything starts to happen where all the testing happens and reading retention i mean the, the whole yes. thing.
2: That's where, that's how I feel. It's my own personal perspective. I mean, I'll tell you, I mean, going down into that kindergarten first and second primary um, takes a very, very special, special individual to uh, lay that foundation. I feel very blessed that I get to take them based off of that foundation and um, be able to open their eyes to this world that they've just worked so hard for. You know, they're learning to read, they're trying to learn this, all these foundational skills the phonemic awareness and and all that uh, school has to offer and all of a sudden they go from learning to read to reading to learn and everything I get to put in front of them whether it's a blog whether it's listening to a podcast whether it's grabbing a pamphlet or a book whatever it is we get to gain something from that and it's the most empowering thing ever and so I feel like they're always wide-eyed and ready for it and they're 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 never quite um at that moment where they're like like, oh, I've already been there, done that. You know, they're, they're ready for a little bit more. They're hungry for it.
0: That's an amazing perspective because I, I don't know if anybody picked up on it, but I was, I was the way I asked the question was with a much different tone than the way that you answered the question. <laughs> you know, I, I asked the question thinking about the, the lens of accountability and state testing. And so many states now have mandatory retention for students that aren't reading at, at proficiency by the time they're in third grade. And I asked that saying, Wow, is this the, the greater it all happens? She's like, Yeah, it is. And you just went with all of the things that you get to do. That is so incredible. I love that that amazing energy that you have.
2: Well, you know, you, I mean Have you always had
0: that perspective?
2: I I have. I truly have. Um, I actually. I think one of the painful moments that I had in my career was when that perspective was sh- shifted so completely by you know whether it you know the state mandated test or maybe how my uh, former administration was feeling the pressures of that whether that equated you know, funding that we were either going to receive or not receive. And I mean, there's a whole big picture out there of what that really looks like with accountability. So professionally speaking, I never lose sight of that weight. Um, But I honestly, it's one, it's like, you can't cram for that. You know, this is everyday life. Like we have to live the life we have to, you know, we have to live our greatest life every day. So if I come in like out of the gates, you know, in August, in September, and we're just going at it every way possible, come time for state testing, my kids are going to be as prepared as possible to tackle that in the most empowering way. So I don't fear the assessment. What I fear most is that we are missing the boat on what these children are really truly about. I fear that the assessment does not match their ability because we are trying to, um, we're trying to show them the world and yet we try to show them the world and push them back into one way, the only way that we really know how to assess them as a common assessment of the whole body. So I I don't quite get that. I don't quite understand that. I pray for the day that that looks different. Um, But until then, I'm gonna just keep doing my thing.
0: (laughs) Well, You are giving me all the feels right now. Like I am tingly all over. you are, you're totally speaking my language right now, <laughs> and I don't want to just totally geek out and um, just start talking about assessment, but oh my gosh, the, the fact that what we, what we measure oftentimes in school is what's easiest to measure, not necessarily what matters most. I love that perspective. I love how you, you mentioned, I don't know if you necessarily meant to have this all in one flowing paragraph or not, but you talked about the fact that you are setting your kids up for life, and you can't cram for that. Truly, in life, we don't cram for life. No. And we have to remember that even in third grade, we're not just preparing kids for life. Those third graders are living their life right now. That's right. And we cannot cram for that life either. Um, I just absolutely love that perspective that you were just trying to immerse your kids in life. Awesome. That's
2: it. That's exactly it. You know, and oftentimes um, people will talk about maturity or immaturity. And it's kind of funny when you talk about like an immature kindergartner, but really what we're trying to say is whether something's developmentally appropriate or not. And I, I, I always take the, the, look on life of if what they are doing is developmentally appropriate within the context of their age and their grade level like these are the moments that we absolutely embrace so like even behaviors if behaviors are developmentally appropriate um you know why is that phone call going home so when i look at when i look at the whole child and everything we're trying to bring to them and all the teaching like cuz they're trying to learn life that's exactly what you know as you're saying they're trying to learn how to grow up and it takes a village and we get to be blessed by to be part of that village. So as they're doing life, that doesn't just mean that that's not just the academic side of it. You know, that's the social emotional learning side of it. That's, that's the the whole child as we keep talking about, you know, this is not a new concept. It's just that we've finally taken our blinders off and we're seeing what school truly is. And that could be a societal thing. You know, that could be something where, home looks different for many children in a way that maybe it didn't look 30 years ago, 50 years ago. Uh, But we could either We could either go keep going down that same path and ignore the fact that that looks so different for every child or we embrace it and help them to learn these life skills. And they're not born with organizational skills. Uh, The lack of executive functioning skills for the everyday child is right there and it's a part of our world. So we either take time and we teach them these things or, you know, we're putting at, at, at the most a band aid on a situation. And, and that is going to come back to bite us. So it, it always starts at your youngest grade at your first interaction. This is not about, you know, high school kids being separated uh, from elementary kids. Like this is the whole picture.
0: It's powerful. You, you talk about teaching these life skills, the skills that matter most. You know, as a third grade teacher, how do you determine which skills you want to teach your students? I mean, we, we look at the standards, and the standards mm-hmm. help, help us outline skills and content. But even in third grade in Pennsylvania, there are more than 200 <laughs> standards for a, the th- a third grader to master. I mean, that's the idea of a standard. Standards are only standard if they're standard. So Correct. kids are supposed to get to mastery, which means they're mastering more than one skill, more than one piece of content a day. That's which correct. it's not going to happen. No. So how do you as a third grade teacher determine what's the most important? I look at it through the lens of myself as a father. I've got four kids Right. and my four kids range from 14 down to four. And I have to make a decision every single day what I want my kids to learn from me. Do I want them mm. to, to learn how to tie a tie? Sure. Do I want them to learn how to tie their shoes? Sure. But it doesn't come at the expense of teaching them respect and responsibility Right. And kindness. As a third grade teacher, what are those essential life skills that you say, whew, this is something all, all eight-year-olds need?
2: Right. So uh, we go through the whole, like, tr- we're based on grit in my class. You know, that's a, that's a kind of a funny word to a third grader until you really start to pull it apart. And, and the whole acronym is laid out on my website. It's not something that, you know, we need to take up time talking so much about right now. But the whole, the whole idea is goal setting. The whole idea is their responsibility. Like, they come in ready to consume. And because they come in ready to consume, um, to do school, so to speak, uh, they forget how much they have to contribute. So you talked about the age range of your babies, right? So I have a 17 year old and a 13 year old when my babies were actually little, uh, I was that, that crazy mom who like, you know, maybe, maybe it was cost efficient for us to not redo our basement, but in all honesty, like that was the greatest thing I ever did. And my husband and I ever decided to do for our children because they were making and creating like crazy fools down there. And it didn't matter if things spilled, it didn't matter what was happening down there, but I sent them off. We sent them off to be explorers, explorers of learning and It was to no fault of any educator, to my colleagues, because my children go to the same district that I teach in. Um, I will say that it was the curriculum, so to speak, that we have all defined, I, I truly feel incorrectly for so many years, that took my creators, my children, and they made them consumers. And they got so used to consuming they turned into lazy learners and that's a pretty bold statement but let's just remember i'm just talking about my kiddos right now but my boys became lazy learners and it got so much easier for them to just wait for the prompt to wait for the idea they had to generate to wait for these things to happen and they just sat back and took it in and they gave whatever they had to give and i wasn't watching them give any more than that even though they were more than capable of it so I want to take. All that creation, that spark, that energy, all the whys of life that, you know, those two-year-old, why, why mom, why dad, why? We want the wondering whys, right? So I take those, I take the standards because I'm accountable. I'm professionally accountable for every standard. I do not miss the boat on that. But when I take those and I try to find a way to weave it all in, this truly comes back to personalized learning. You can personalize learning for every child. It can be exhausting, but it is the most rewarding experience to navigate with every child because every single child that leaves my classroom every day feels the most important and that tells me I'm doing something right I do I do hone in on project-based learning uh, because that has helped me to fuel personalized learning um, it helps me to give my students voice in it but here's one of those things where I can take like right now we're doing a PBL on on voice so We're analyzing music. We're analyzing music. My kids can pull up, uh, you know, anything under kids bop, that would be, but they can pull up anything and we start really picking apart what these lyrics mean. We can pick up poetry and we can start analyzing that. I can I can knock off five, six standards right there. I can then go into like, okay, well, did did you did you develop a problem that was there one in that? Is there a solution to that or do you have a solution? I'm not asking every child to pick up one paragraph and say, find the problem and solution. I'm asking them to think. I'm asking them to take something that they feel connected to and go beyond. And I think because of that. I'm able to take those standards and they don't feel as weighted to me professionally anymore as they used to because I'm able to personalize it to what my children see as their learning. If that make, does that make any sense to you? It makes, that makes day? perfect sense. I mean, it's, it's
0: incredible. So, you know, I'm, I'm up here in Michigan, so I can never make the commitment to move to Pennsylvania and be in Penn State, Ohio State country, but I want to be in your third grade classroom. I mean, how do I make that happen? It, it, it sounds absolutely amazing. Oh
1: my goodness, and, what I read to my kids. We can do a Google Hangout. Well, we can- yeah,
0: absolutely. But I want you to be my teacher though. That's the thing because, you know, and this is coming from a guy who Preaches and lives and breathes standards based assessment, standards based grading, standards based learning. But you get it, uh, you know, teaching the standards does not mean you're just explicitly standing in front of the room and reading the list of 200 standards to your kids. I mean, no. we could do that, we could pass out right. literally the list of the standards to the kids and say, Go home and memorize this tonight. Right. That doesn't mean they learn <laughs> the standards, right? Um, but I, I absolutely love it. There are so many people out there. Uh, especially teaching third grade when it is this super accountable grade that start to panic around this time of year and the worksheets Mm -hmm. start coming out in gangbusters and they start doing all this (laughs) test prep and you're saying, no, I'm just going to immerse you in more life right now.
1: That's right.
0: Oh my gosh.
2: I want to be there. Oh my gosh. So (laughs) listen, I'm telling you, we have such a blast. So today, this was a pretty cool day. I had a new student join us from Louisiana. And honestly, I could have sat her down and given her a a complete pre-assessment. You know, I need to know where her ability level is because I need to be able to teach her and bring value to the way her growth looks like for this school year. And I've not had her up to this point, but she comes in and the kids were like, oh my goodness, wait until you, um, get to like, when we open the restaurant and she was like, um, the restaurant. And they're like, yeah, like when we open up our restaurant, that's how we do math. And she just kind of looked at us like, where are you people from? Like, I don't know about you, but I have some learning to do today. So I said to her, I said, um, we're going to open the restaurant. You'll know when it's ready because the students are going to, um, sometimes they just leave the flexible seating the way it is because it's pretty much the restaurant style every day, but you'll start seeing them put tabletops out. And the end signal is always that the menu boards get lit up because Um, I totally got those from Chick-fil-A when they were closing down.
1: That's a whole nother story, Dave. But so hold on,
0: hold on. There's a -A (laughs) Chick-fil-A that closed down. How is this not national news? Okay. Sorry, Wait a second.
1: So so they closed down to build a bigger one across the street. There you go. Okay. (laughs) So um
2: God love them. They heard that I had um that I was doing flexible seating in my class and I had these connections to be able to go out there. And I ended up with their menu boards. Um, off their wall as they sat next to their dumpster. And I was like, do these still work? They're like, yes. I'm like, oh my word, this is exactly what I need. So my kids have learned to add two, three, four digit with decimal with fractions, when you think about your tenths, when you think about your change, the fraction of a dollar, they've been doing this since August, okay? We didn't come in going, let's look at the ones place, let's look at the tens place, let's look at the hundreds place. That's all part of my professional responsibility. But when I connected it to life, real life experiences for them, they were like, ring it. So we practice with like um, just uh, your Christmas ads and different ads that we get in the in the mail. And we would practice like having so much to spend. Oh, I have $20 in spending money today. I have $50 tomorrow. And the financial literacy behind that helped them to gain a little insight before they opened the restaurant. Once they got there, they had to add up. Oh, I'm going to order a number three today. Well, that child may only be able to order a number three and a milkshake. And that's so relevant for third grade and add those up and come up with the correct answer. But what about the child who's ready for multiplication? Well, they're going to order for Uh, a family of two or what about a family of three right so now we're already in a multiplication and oh that's right we really don't get there till January but this child needs it right now you know I might have another one who really isn't ready for multiplication but they're ready for three four digits so now we're ordering a number one a number five and a this on the side and whatever and as they do this I have students who run registers and I have students who pretend, you know, they have pretend to everything. We pretend it all, but it's yet so real. Um, They pass it over to the kitchen. The kitchen has all these Play-Doh creations and just simple uh, like pie pans and everything else from the dollar store. And here they go at it and they're creating and they're having this opportunity to show like what they can bring to the table. we talk we have little team meetings i don't run them they do they talk about their concerns they talk about the fact that um this is the funniest thing one of my students was like um excuse me but i ordered chicken nuggets and they're red and i don't really think that chicken nuggets are red and i'm kind of grossed <laughs> out right so uh-huh. and and then another child was like um one chicken nugget was the big as big as my fist and the other one was as like tiny as my pinky mm-hmm. so then we start talking what does that really look like would you be satisfied as a customer and so then We get to have these human relation conversations. We get to talk about customer service, financial literacies. There. This is all going on August on, not because I'm some crazy lady who decides to tackle 100 standards in the month of August. It's because these kids are asking for it. Why this, Mrs. Nan? Why that, Mrs. Nan? Well, what about this, Mrs. Nan? And then I give them goals. My standards become goals. So as soon as we started digging into fractions, we shut down the restaurant for a few days and they were like, wait a minute, we're shutting this down. Why can't we keep it running? I was like, well, tell me like, how are you going to possibly create fractions within that space? Now I could tell them a hundred ways, but what are my hundred ways going to have anything to do with their hundred ways? And they're like, well, and it was beyond pizzas. Let's get beyond pizzas people. I mean, it could be toppings. It could be this, it could be that. I mean, they had so many ways. Again, somebody that's interested in money was doing fractions of money of uh, what's a whole dollar. It was, they gave me reasons to say, you know what? You got me. Go open that restaurant. Let's do this. And so it's it's what we do every day. It's just how we live life.
0: <laughs> it's so good. And this I'm saying this from a guy who my day job, I had the title of executive director of curriculum and instruction. In other words, I'm a <laughs> curriculum director. Yeah. And I can't tell you how much I hate that title. I hate that title with a passion. Because curriculum is the what that we teach, you know, and the yes. standards are the what. So then other people say, no, no, you're, you're the manager of the resources. No, the resources, as you just articulated, are the world. The world right. is your resource to teach those standards. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have embraced that. And uh, seriously, I, I want you to teach uh, in third grade. It's just,
2: Oh dang, it. Listen, I have to just say from one moment, this is not, this is never me alone. Um, had I not been given the opportunity to look at curriculum differently, I'd still be doing the same thing as I was doing all those years. You know, we, we um, I'm very big on innovating inside that box, like, you know, George Kuris, he gets, he really gets in my head sometimes. And he makes me realize that um, uh, moments in back in time when I kind of felt sorry for myself and the situation I was in, and, and I had little resources, and I was told this is what I had to do. Um, I used it as an excuse when I really should not have been doing that. But in the same respect, I have an administration who has come in over the last few years, and has literally said Go for it. What is the worst that's going to happen? Like, try it. I mean, like, literally saying, Yes, take the opportunity, Kristen, you know, blaze this one up. And they just stepped right out of my way. And I'll tell you, ultimately, in the end, that has all been about trust. I felt respected and trusted for everything. I remember sitting down in that interview all those years ago, and I really thought I was trusted, and that's why I was hired. And I never realized that those years of me really struggling with it, um, like where I was with curriculum was because I, I actually personalized that in a way of not being trusted to be able to bring to the table what I felt students really needed. So Mm. now I'm back in the game. Now that opportunity is there in a different way.
0: That's good. Yeah. I used the analogy just last week with somebody, um, and I, I, I'm going to offend some people with this, but I'm going to say it anyway. <laughs> I, I'm I'm against the idea of pacing guides because mm-hmm. we don't use them as guides. We use them as scripts. Mm-hmm. And I use the analogy that when we assign pacing guides to teachers, it's like tethering every single teacher up to Life360, that you know, app where we <laughs> yes! can pass our cars are <laughs> and all, yes. every moment to make sure that you're your kids and your loved ones are where they're supposed to be when they're supposed to be there. And if not, you yes. can pick up the phone and say, you're not where you're supposed to be. Yep. That's what we use pacing guides for. It's like a, a gotcha. So we mm-hmm. can walk up and we can pull up a, the app and say, you're not where you're supposed to be yet. As opposed to just trusting them to say, run to the store and come back. And right. knowing that they'll be back, knowing That's that right. they're going to do what they're supposed to. You've used the term repeatedly professional responsibility mm-hmm. and that professional responsibility doesn't just come from your end. It comes from the administrator's end as well. That's mm. their professional responsibility to trust you and to guide you and support you and, and give you the reins. And when you have that that trust, you want to live up to it. You always want to live up to the expectations that are right. put in front of you. And uh, I love that you acknowledge that piece of this puzzle.
2: Absolutely. I. It, it's actually one of the driving forces um, behind so much change in my life, but I I made a very bold statement. And you just said, I might ruffle some feathers. Well, I did ruffle some feathers. This was uh, years ago. I had made this bold statement. And when I tell you this and you hear it, you might think, well, what's wrong with that? But for me, it was like detrimental to my existence within my district. I made the statement, I want admin to want for teachers what teachers want for their children for their students okay now I found myself in the district you know that this in central office having a meeting very quickly um, and I did not request the meeting Um, I had I'm not one I'm one to always advocate for every child I'm always one to advocate for what I know is right Um, but I'm not one to look for an issue where an issue doesn't need to be necessarily, this was a moment that I was speaking from my heart. This wasn't a a gotcha moment. This wasn't a, oh, I just wish admin would do this. This was, this is my dream. This is my hope that admin would want that. Uh, And I will say my journey with JC writing the book has given me a newfound respect and appreciation for administrators and all that that goes into the decision-making and what's brought to the table every day. But in the same right, you just said it a few minutes ago. I mean, and if we, when this is what we want for our students and that trust, that trust that I've been gifted now is the same trust that I gift to my children every day. You know, when teachers don't gift that trust and, and, and here's the thing, it's different. You've got an adult versus a child. A child is most likely going to do something along the way that they're going to need to have some grace put, you know, put in the situation and grace on them because they're not going to hold on to that trust in exactly the same way as an adult may, but give them the chance. Allow them to use their voice. Allow them to be able to advocate for themselves. You know, my, my students literally, like, through, uh, we, they can create their own, they create, we create our own notebooks, okay, our notebooks look so different, because of the personalized learning, so if we have goals, and I, I talk about the standards, and, and uh, what our goals look like for the day, and they help me create the goals, then they go off, and, you know, their learning unfolds, this is not a free-for-all, you know, it may look like I'm hurting cats sometimes, but it's not a free-for-all. They must come back and hold themselves accountable. So some children will come back and they'll put it in their notebook, what they learned from that, that experience that day. Some will jump on and they'll, they'll want to do a Google Doc. They'll do a Google Slide. Some might get on Scratch and they'll start creating. And I didn't really get that until I watched it happen. It was a few years ago. I had this little boy, Adam, in class. And Adam, he was like, Mrs. Nan. I just really wanna get on scratch right now. And I was like, buddy, how in the world are you gonna take this part of the novel study and put that in coding right now? Do you really think this is the time and place, right? And he knew that I wasn't shutting it down, that I really was pushing him to give me reason. And he said, "Uh, yeah, yeah, just give me a chance. And I was like, whoa, you got it, buddy at it, he goes, and he, he draws out um, the entire setting, and then he codes, it was, it was a moment where the dog was walking to walking to his owner, he coded the dog to be able to do that, and in the novel, the, the dog then leaps off of the table that he was walking on in this moment, and he was able to code this happening as if it were like this classic opportunity of capturing this setting, and I thought to myself, whoa. All I had to do was give him the opportunity, and it was a trust. What was the worst that was going to happen that it failed and he didn't get it done and, and it didn't happen? What would that have looked like? I, I suppose for some teachers, that's, it gets scary because what do you do then? Where do the grades come from? What's the score look like? Well, if it wouldn't have worked out, could he have had another chance, another opportunity to show his learning in, a, you know, in another way? I mean- right. So,
0: and what's more valuable, earning that trust capital with the kid and empowering right. him to feel like he can do something or having him play the game of school, do it your way, but be completely dismissed from that love of learning. So, exactly. Yeah.
2: Right. And you know, this, this makes me think of something else. He, he's the one who really inspired my 32nd pitch because when he said that, and I saw him look at me, he was looking in my eyes and I thought to myself, I actually was uncomfortable with the amount of power, so to speak, that I had in that moment. I thought, here's this little person waiting for my yes or no answer. Their learning, their their chance at whatever their learning was gonna look like for the next 30 minutes completely hinged on whether or not little old me was about to say yes or no. So we, I said to him, because I mean, who has, three minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes to listen to each of your little babies come up to you and say, hey, I want, you know, I want to do this, this, and this. And they give you 10 reasons and none of them really connect. But we said, all right, 30 seconds or less. So you better prepare yourself before you come to me. You know, you need to be able to connect your learning to it. Is it going to be like something uh, beyond our four walls of learning? Like we have this whole criteria for the 30-second pitch. And it's just like the elevator pitch. It's just broken down for eight and nine year olds to use. And so they come up to me, And they just pitch me their moment. And if it's connected and it's something that I think has, you know, the, if they, if they hit those four components, then I say, go for it. It's not a matter, it's not a matter of my opinion of whether or not I think it'll be a success. It's, did they, do they have enough research base? Like the idea behind it, can they defend it in some way? Because they need to be able, that again, goes into math with conjectures and arguments. I mean, there's so much that you can bring to the table with that. There's opinion, there's debate you know, can they be able to, to bring it and give you at least one reason? I mean, it's, it's everything we could possibly want and they're pitching it in 30 seconds. So,
0: right. It goes back to, again, the skills yes. uh, transcend the content. It's so right. Good. Yeah, I, w- I want to circle back and, and just make sure Go that people it. all over the country understand a few things that you said. I, I just wrote these things down. First of all, <laughs> um, you, you're saying admin people down in the South might've thought you were talking about a man. So I just oh. want to make sure that when we say admin, we're talking administration. Yes. Um, I'm so sorry. No, no yes. you, you, Hey, you're, you're speaking my Midwest language. <laughs> I, I got you. But I just want to make sure people understood that. You, and you also mentioned uh, George Kuros' book, and we'll throw Katie Novak in there as well, Innovate Inside the Box. It's a, that powerful, powerful um, book concept that basically walks people through what you're talking about. The fact that we live in this system that – um, forces us to play the game of school,
1: mm-hmm. but
0: it doesn't necessarily put handcuffs on you. You you can still be innovative within that system without completely blowing up the system. Yes. It's, it's, a, it's the sense of being empowered to go out there and continue to, to to change and grow and be inspired and to inspire others. And then you mentioned your book um, that, that you and, and JC uh, just put out and it's all over the place right now so can we focus on that for a second because people are hearing hearing you talk right now and they're thinking how in the world does this woman have time to do all of this (laughs) stuff and yet you're part of a huge
1: book oh my goodness let's talk about this how did you go all in on that Oh my god. You there. You see what I did? I, yeah, you, I totally. I love it. I love it. Listen, you don't even realize how many times people say "all in" until you write a book. I don't all in, and you're like, "Oh my god!" Oh my
0: god. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> uh, so, uh, but I love how you put that in there. First of all, let me go back to George and Katie. So, George
2: George's uh, book, Innovator's Mindset, when he was uh, when he flows, uh, was flying solo as an author on that one um that was probably um between that and teach a pirate with dave burgess those were two like major game changers for me i I, i'll be very honest with you at that point i had not read in years i i didn't have the time and you know i would hear like you know you make time for what you want to make time for and blah, blah 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 and yes that is true to a degree but here's the thing every time you take in one thing, you're, you're leaving something out and there's a balance there. And that's, you know, a rabbit hole I could go down because you know, I have family who depends on me just as much as anyone else's. And um, so I have to really always be mindful of that. But those two books were major game changers for me. So those are my first two. Now the innovators mindset, that is where I probably held most of my accountability Mm -hmm. when I thought, when I thought about, Whoa, Kristen, Cause I'm a positive person. My cup is always half full and I can't help it. It's just the way I, it, it's, it's my jam. So uh, it's how I tick. And I don't typically skew from that. So f- for me to be, I guess I was probably what, 15 years, um, uh, 18 years in, and I was feeling so, uh, restricted. I was feeling so let down. Um, I I was feeling so debilitated. I had n- I didn't realize that education was supposed to stop growing when I graduated from college. See, like I I was still dreaming. I was still seeing all the opportunities. I was still seeing all these things. So, you know, when I started teaching and I'm realizing oh my goodness gracious we're still doing the same thing we're still doing the same thing and people would say to me well you know history doesn't change you know history doesn't change well actually it does because it updates every day <laughs> so I, I mean that's just like would frustrate me but each time that somebody would say something to me um, it was really getting in my own headspace and when I read when I read George's uh, book, Innovator's Mindset, I realized I must hold myself accountable with that. This is not just about everybody else and what part they had in it. I honestly had a part in it too. And I had lost my way for a little bit on where. I could have done better. And so that was a real reality check. Um, his most recent one with Katie, and I'm so glad you mentioned Katie because I'll tell you, I, I literally messaged George when I was, but a couple chapters into where she came in and she was passing that. The way they do it is they pass this baton back and forth when the speaker, when the voice changes between the two, but it it's kind of crazy. I didn't even need the baton to be passed because they're two different people with two different styles. And I was cracking up the way Katie would just put things in perspective within the book. And I can't—I wish I could think of this one thing right now that she just really made me laugh so hard. Um, but but she did. I kept finding myself literally laughing out loud because of the way that she just was shooting from the hip. She just said right. it how it is. And um, so between those books, they I felt like I was holding myself to a higher standard uh, not only for myself but every educator that i mean think about that we walk the halls together every day we build and break culture all in a smile we build or break it with the way that our body language is whether or not we even acknowledge somebody that's coming our way and it happens day in and day out where you can watch people pass in a hallway and they they don't even they don't even speak there's nothing there and what, i mean Yes, there's something there. These are people. These are human beings. And so if the kids around us are seeing that between the adults and, you know, and and you reverse all of that and next thing you know, the kids are doing it to one another. So um, this the whole idea, the whole picture, um, it needs, we must find where we are the game changers within the game. Like what piece are we playing? Because we're all in it. We're every one of us are in it. So I, I guess that, that kind of takes me into like where, where my journey unfolded with JC, because I had, I came back from an opportunity, which by the way, I had not been given permission to go to a conference in years. We didn't have the funds in my district. We had a lot of reasons. Um, and I was given permission to head to one that was just in downtown Pittsburgh and Dave Burgess was doing the keynote. So I head down there and
1: whoa, right? I come back and I'm like, oh my gosh, everybody like, <laughs> oh, this is what we have to do. You know, like you do not throw your steak on the grill, bone. Um, <laughs> <and> so,
0: <laughs> that was pretty then, good.
1: <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like losing my mind. Right. And they already know I'm losing my mind on a daily basis. So they're like, oh no, Kristen's coming back with more ideas. Duck. Um, so
2: I, I started thinking like, what do I do with all this? So JC, she stopped down again and uh, she, you know, JC being my assistant superintendent, uh, and curriculum's are jam, by the way, Dave, um, (laughs) (laughs) and literacy, uh, but she stopped by and she was like, how was the conference? Okay. Well, first of all, let's just take in this moment. She's asking me how the conference was, you know, at this point, JC and I were not, in this bonded friendship where we're at now you know a couple years later a few years later at this time we were still getting to know one another we were still trying to figure out what life looked like and hope well together and she was in the classrooms it wasn't just my classroom she was in the classrooms she was all over the district The kids the kids knew her by name and couldn't wait and they would run to hug her and that was fabulous. So I said to her, I was like, oh my gosh, you have to see uh, Dave Burgess speak at some point. She's like, well, tell me about it. So I started telling her and I was telling her about these ideas I was having. She's like, what are we, what are we gonna do about this? And I was, like, I, I was like, okay, so listen, Dave gave me some advice. I'm gonna open up some docs and we're just gonna start putting ideas in this doc. And she was like, okay, I'm like, I'll share it with you. And so I shared it with her. And each idea that I would toss in there she'd jump in and toss in her perspective. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden we were both like having these holy moly moments of, oh my word, what is happening right now? Because I would lose sight of what the admin perspective was. And I didn't even realize that I had probably been doing this for quite some time. You know, we as teachers have a, I think a bad habit of thinking and men have like forgotten where they came from or maybe they don't have their like hearts on the kids anymore you know these are all just you know just random moments but i you know you hear teachers saying things like this um in the same in the same right you'll there's times that and men kind of forget what our day looks like all in a days because we we don't have just math to teach and social studies and science and reading and grammar and blah, la la. We don't have, it's not about academic. These are people. So we have this little moment that happened. We have this little moment to happen. Uh, now we're trying to build some empathy and understanding between kids. We're trying to help them persevere. We're trying to sh- teach them what respect looks like, you know, all the moments or when initiatives are pushed out, maybe a little quicker than, you know, it looked really good on paper, but guess what? Uh, what's good on paper doesn't always execute to the best of plan, True story. right? But no, we, I had never had this opportunity to have these kind of conversations before. And JC and I, I don't know, it's like we threw caution to the wind. It was kind of like, okay, we got a good vibe, we got a pretty good read on each other. And I was like, okay neither one of us were ever coming from a bad place. We we had our focus right where we knew it should be. But man, these were some tough conversations to be had and just I don't know if it was if I could say it was by chance, I don't know if it was luck. I'm not sure Dave, but I'm going to tell you it was the best opportunity in the world because we just threw it in the ring and we were like Let's talk about it. And we had some heated conversations. This was never about like anything specific within like just my classroom or specific. This was never like ever about anybody but just me as a teacher and my perspective. But these were moments of pushback that created better working space, better learning for myself, for kids. The whole picture was shifting and changing little pieces at a time as we added to that dog. And the doc grew and the doc grew. And next thing you know, it was like, whoa. She had no idea what my story was. I had no idea what hers was. And this appreciation and respect just started building. And we, we took it and we ran with it. And, and the funny part is, is when we started really getting serious about, hey, let's, let's read a book together. It was one of these moments, like we both just started to laugh and, I am not ultimately a book kind of gal, even though I own like 50 and I've read so much in the last few years that my, my brain is way full, way full. Um, But I was like, we're like, okay, how can we take this whole chance and risk taking that we have built this on and use this like to our advantage? And the Vegas vibe came in,
1: which I I'll be the first one to admit I was like I don't know Vegas and teaching do you think there's gonna be like a conflict of interest here and she's like Kristen no way let's do it like she what would Dave
0: Burgess say to that (laughs) question Kristen
1: (laughs) right I know right like all of a sudden like I was having like a little bit of like concern and I'm not that person but I was like oh my gosh what do we do and um And we were like, let's just do it. And I was like, okay, listen, I can't do chapters. I don't know what we're
2: going to do, but we have to do something different. And we were like, bets, this is what we want. We want to bet people this. We want to bet, like, can you do this? We want to give them a reason and an energy that is different than consume a chapter. So that whole like mentality just opened up a whole new, another conversation. Then it was like, oh. What can their takeaways be? Oh, this is the jackpot. Let's double down and take it even, you know, bigger. And, and this is not just about us. This is about the collective whole that being a connected educator has amped up every bit of who we are. So then it was Annie up with this person and this person. And we brought all these voices into the book. And um, I have to say, we're doing a book study right now, uh, two men in a book. They're just two uh, amazing people, uh, Ricardo Garcia and uh, uh, Matt. Uh, Larson and they they run these book studies and it, truly the amount of conversation and positive pushback you would be blown away. I, I've done so many book studies and we have a lot of engaging moments and we walk away with plenty, but these are administrators of epic proportion. These are teachers from every grade level and we are having the toughest conversations and we are all walking away better for it and this is what it's all about so oh, that's hopefully, cool. yeah it really is so hopefully that can be that's what i want to see happen that's what jc wants to see happen if there's one thing we just want to see this book do is just let let's all sit down and break bread together and when the, when things get tough let, let's not fear it let's embrace it let's go after it
0: oh that's awesome man you are you are killing it right now, <laughs> just absolutely. Um, you know, you, from your classroom to your school to the country to the world, right now, you are you're, you're pushing the right buttons at the right time to start the right conversations, oh. and that's that's what it's all about. I I really admire you for your willingness to to. To step up and say the things that need to be said, but not just to, to speak in platitudes, but to give concrete examples of how you practice what you preach, because that's what gives you that street cred where other people can say, ooh, I can do that too. It's not somebody that's just sitting in an office somewhere writing books and saying, go do it. You're living it. And that's, that's powerful. That's really powerful. So kudos you, to you. Kudos to you.
2: you. Thank you so
1: much.
0: Wow, we we've covered a lot here today. I know, um, right? I, my little notebook is full <laughs> from from you. I, I that's a good thing. But you you gave me so much to really resonate on and so much to think about. And um this conversation is is growing me and it's challenging me in all the right ways. I, so I appreciate that personally.
1: Well,
2: maybe but, what we need to do is take your notes and maybe like uh like share a blog post together or something. I, maybe and, or, and or this that. is
0: maybe the sequel <laughs> to all in. You know? I know. <laughs> <laughs> People can just listen to this and this can be the audio version. There yeah. you
1: go. Oh my god. That's so fantastic.
0: <laughs> no, absolutely. I mean, any anytime I can collaborate with you, I am all in. I'm gonna use the uh, my again. <laughs> so I'm um, truly right back, um, <laughs> With that though, you know, I, I warned you ahead of time, and this is probably gonna be a little bit more difficult than I thought it was gonna be. <laughs> I said, you know, at the end of these podcasts, I try to give the guests the opportunity to to give their mic drop moment, just that that way to wrap it all up. But you dropped a lot of truth here. And I don't know that there's much left. Do you have something that you say, man, I just want people to fixate on this? If they if they forget everything else, this is the takeaway.
2: Oh, you know, I I've thought a lot of, I've thought about this. Um, I, I think about this a lot when people will even ask about the book in general or like where I'm at in my career and and what I, and I think when people ask me where I'm at in my career and I think 23 years, what really was the changing moment? Um, there's, there's a part in the book where my son Trent had come up from the mailbox and okay. um, he was carrying some mail and he looked down and he's, I could see the way he was looking at the mail. It was just an odd moment. It was in the summer. And I said, what is it, bud? And he was like, I don't know, mom, you know, like it's actually to dad and to to Jack and me. And I was like, well, who's it from? And he's like, JC Maslick. And I'm thinking to myself, what, like, what, what is this now? Mind you, this is well before a book was written. This was, this was my first summer ever spent with JC within my district. And I, I couldn't even help myself. It, it wasn't written out to me, but at least it was written out to Trent and Trent was there in my <laughs> presence. So I said, Trent, you got to open that up, buddy. I, I've got I've to see what this says. And I opened it up and I'll tell you, Dave, I, I shed tears that day that it, it chokes me up because she, was, she wasn't just thanking me. She thanked my family. So I guess if I'm gonna leave you with one thing, those words thank you that JC shared with my family, she thanked them for giving up their family time with their wife and mother Mm. so that I could gain ground and make change and grow for every child in my classroom and every child I was yet to have and every colleague that I would interact with. And that right there, lit a fire in my soul. It changed the entire trajectory of my own being and my learning. And I never hesitate to thank others. I never hesitate to pass it on to a child, to a parent. So I say to each and every listener, say thank you. Find that person that needs to be thanked because it will be a game changer for each and every listener every single time that they say it.
0: Wow. I have tears on my microphone right now. That I'm t- <laughs> so that, that's good. I, I don't really even want to say more than that, that that powerful story needs to just sit right there. Um, you know, the fact that she knew your family members names, yes. um, knew how to find them, how to track them down, how to send things directly to them. Yes. Um, it, it wasn't about her. It wasn't even mm-hmm. about you. It was mm-hmm. about the people that are closest to you. That's, that's right that's power. Yes. You know, Kristen, I, I'm going to just take that advice. I'm going to say thank you to you. Uh, uh, you know, this, the podcast, I've told people this before, but I do them selfishly so that I can learn from others so that I can have this opportunity to just have a conversation with people that are game changers that I know can have a, a powerful impact on me. And this conversation had one of those impacts on me. It's uh, it's not about all the listeners out there. If you're listening right now and you got something out of this kudos great that's awesome that's a bonus but just for me uh this is exactly what i needed to hear in this moment it's the encouragement that i need and the reminder that i need to focus on the stuff that matters most so so thank you for for doing this and taking time tonight
2: thank you thank you so much it was amazing to connect with you i i feel very blessed thank you
0: Did you enjoy this episode? I hope so. If you did, feel free to keep listening by subscribing right now to The Lasting Learning Podcast and get new episodes as soon as they're released. Interested in knowing more about me, Dave Schmidt? Well, feel free to find out what makes me tick by reading one of my books, Bold Humility or It's Like Riding a Bike. Feel free to check them both out on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or directly on my website, Dot .net it's s c h m i t t o u .net